I have with me Dr. Donna Marks. She is a licensed psychotherapist, addition counselor, and a psychoanalyst. And it is a joy to have Dr. Donna Marks on the show this morning. Good morning, uh, Dr. Mark. Welcome to the show. Oh, thank you so much for having me on. I was reading about you, and I really admire you. Amazing. Wow. I appreciate <laughs> that. I also know uh, my producer was telling me that you were inspired to come on the show after watching us pot-smoking therapists on my show, right? <laughs> <laughs> I loved listening to the interview and the way you just zoomed right in at Truth, and he was not really able to defend himself. Uh, and I really loved that you were calling him out because those of us that are in the helping and healing profession need to have done the work on ourselves. Yes, and if we're smoking pot and treating patients. We're we're way we're lost. <laughs> we're way off course. And that, I really loved hearing that interview. Well, I appreciate that. Thank you so much. I wasn't aware of that, but I do thank you for that. Um, so one day you were walking down the road and you decide, you know what? I want to be a psychotherapist and a psychoanalyst. What, what is exactly is a psychotherapist first? A what do you do? A psychotherapist is trained in mental health uh, with a, a bachelor's degree and then at least a master's degree after that. And then we've had supervised uh, training and counseling. In my opinion, it's somewhat inadequate. So I went on and received other certifications after that. Right on. And psychoanalysis is where you actually have to have the therapy yourself for at least four years, two or three times a week with a certified psychoanalyst and four years of additional education and supervision. So you went through all that yourself? Yes. What did you learn about yourself that you did not know already going through that? Well, the main thing that it helped me with was to be able to establish some intimacy with another person and, and for the first time really trust someone. Because like yourself, I was raised in a, a situation which was very painful. And um, by the time I was 16, I was uh, married and planning my own dysfunctional family, divorced at 18, and really had to struggle my way out of that. So it, it didn't happen one day for me. I had a connection spiritually early on, right. but it came in and out depending on the level of pain that was going on around me. So I kind of knew I wanted to help other people, but I, it's been a process of helping myself. Can you explain why your treatments, uh, why your treatment is different than most of the other experts? Yes. I think the main thing that I do differently is that um, rather than telling people that, you know, they they have one, you know, they have alcohol addiction or whatever, to I help them to understand that they have it all. If you've got one, you've got it all, and it'll just transfer around. Yeah. And then um, I actually believe it can be cured, not that if you're an alcoholic, you can ever drink again, but it can be cured by people learning how to love themselves. So my therapy really works on helping people to learn how to love themselves, which means a spiritual connection as well as a behavioral and personal connection to yourself. So if people don't do that, they're just going to keep looking for love in all the wrong places and keep substituting love with an addiction. And so you were able to overcome the traumas that you had gone through while growing up. Was it more a physical trauma or a spiritual trauma? Um, I don't think I was ever spiritually traumatized because I did hear a little voice inside of me that said, it's not your fault. But I, I uh, did have a lot of trauma in terms of there was abuse, emotional, physical, 
and um, I, I'd say sexual abuse. Not that I, I, I was blessed because that voice said, don't cooperate. So I didn't. But um, nevertheless, it was very uh, painful that somebody that I loved and trusted would would be that way. And he, he was an alcoholic. And so, you know, he was very loving and normal when he was sober. But then when he drank, this monster came out and um, it was very it was very troubling and very damaging. Um, and how does you say you learn to love yourself? How does one lo- love themselves? Well, they have to start off at the very beginning. So um, when a child from the moment of conception, two people coming together that really love each other and choose to bring a life into the world, that would be the first thing. Of course, that's going way back before now, but ideally that's how it happens. And that um, it's a spiritual experience. It's a beautiful experience. And then when the baby's born, both people embrace that child. They welcome that child into the world. And then that child's needs are met. And those parents are committed to meeting that child's needs. And they're not expecting that child to meet their needs. Right. And so it starts off with that early maternal bonding and the mother really embracing the baby, loving the baby. That baby feels warm, safe, secure. They're not thinking, when am I going to get attention? When am I going to get fed? Both parents are committed to the well-being of the child. And then there's different stages of development that are really important in terms of the child feeling secure and also the child um, being encouraged to develop their own interests and their own independence. And those needs are fostered as well. So that by the time they're a teenager, you have a whole human being. You don't have a human being with holes in it. I think one of your, there was a reference on one of your articles about that online, that, that the person is born to come here and love and share love and receive love and to connect. There's no separation. There's only that we're all children of God. Okay. And so we're here to share and receive that love and to play and have a good time and to rejoice in that. But children who are, um, are lacking in their needs being met. And I, I don't like to blame parents. I think it's intergenerational, but we can do better. So we, we need to learn those elements of raising a child with self-love so that the first time someone says, hey, you want to do this drug? That kid's like, why would you want to do that? Right. Yeah, because they don't feel the need to fill that invisible hole of emptiness. They are full of self-love. Are you a Christian? I would say I am a Christian, but I've studied a lot of different religions, and I'm really committed to the creator and the truth of that. Uh, I, yeah, I go, when I go to church, I go to Christian church. I have noticed that, if not all, most, not all, not all, not all, not all, not all, but most children are traumatized by the mother and not the father, it's the mother. Why, do you agree with that? I don't think so. You don't think that it's the mothers that are traumatizing the children? I think that the mother should be the protector if if the father is uh, traumatizing. But, you know, there's abuse from both parents. There's, you know, more sexual abuse by fathers than, than by mothers, although mothers are sexual abusers also. And um, I think that the, that it's not so much the abuse, and I, and I get your point in terms of the mother. It's not so much the abuse that the mother can't step in and help that child to heal those traumas and wounds. Then she certainly would be the target of being the abuser. But I don't think that a mother is abusing children more than a father. The mother... And, and, and again, not all, not all, not all, not all, but it's the mother who traumatized the kids spiritually. 
and that most of the mothers are angry when while growing up they uh, uh their mother kept them away from their father turned them away from their father toward her and anytime the mothers turn the kids toward her it become a spiritual trauma because women don't have love to give they are receivers of love. God in Christ, Christ in man, man over woman, woman over children. So right. when the mothers turned the children toward her, she turned them away from God. And the kids become angry and they become just like the mother. You become like what you hate, right? Yeah, but mother- instead of the mothers admitting that, they say, oh, your father was an alcoholic. Your father was sexual abuse or something they make up. Oh, your father was this. Rather than saying, you know what? Your father was turned away from his father, and he ended up marrying his mother. Come, most men married their mothers, and yeah. he couldn't handle me. That's why he became the boy, and he couldn't handle me because he could never handle his mother. So he ended up leaving. Right? If the mother were would admit that it's their fault and not the father's fault, the kids would, would recover quicker or sooner rather than later. I think it's really important that children see both parents in the place of loving and a loving light. Right. And that, and that parent and that the, when the mother tries to take a child away from the father, she's not serving the child's best interest. So she could say, your, your father, like me, we have faults. We're not perfect, but he loves you. And I want you to have a relationship with him and we will work on whatever problems exist. Yeah. It's never a good idea for a mother to separate her children from the father. But they the always do it. They always do it. The first thing they do because they are angry at the father, the they turn the kids away from the father right away. And they the play child is a weapon. And they play the woman play victim. And now the kids feel sorry for the mother, not realize it was her fault. Yeah, this is really sad because a child has two parents And I noticed earlier you were talking about abortion. And one of the things that troubles me very deeply is that fathers have no say in that human life whatsoever. He perhaps would like to have that child and raise that child. So even like going back to, again, conception, when both people do decide to have sex in such a way that they may have a child, and maybe perhaps she doesn't want the responsibility, but maybe he does. And um, it's really important that the father who wants to participate is allowed to do that. And since the child is 50-50, no way around it. <laughs> the mother didn't 100% create that child. Right. That child has both parts in the child, and the child needs to see both parents in a loving light. Otherwise, your father's bad, then that child feels they're, they're partly bad, too. And that does not serve the best interests of the child. That starts poking those holes in and creating that void that I talk about. Yeah, when the, when the mother the say that to the children, she's causing them to resent the father with her, with her resentment. Because yes. fathers love their children. They want to be with their children. And they just can't handle the mother. And so the mother doesn't tell the truth. So the kids think that the father left them when they really leave the mother. I want you to respond to ABC News. There's a new research shedding light on sex abuse committee, uh, uh, sex abuse committed by mothers against their sons. The Australian Bureau of Statistics 2005 Personal Safety Survey estimated about 4,800 Australian males has been sexually abused by their mothers or stepmothers before the age of 15, compared to 3,200 cases 
Well, the father did it. Um, what do you say about that? I, I haven't seen the report. I think that it's a lot more common than we realize. It is. Absolutely. Uh, you know, sexual abuse isn't just necessarily physical contact. It's when, a, for example, let's take the mother treats the son as if he's her partner. It may just be psychologically that yes. she's putting him in that role. What do you think about this? And what do you think about that? Or he's escorting her to all the different events that she goes to. He's the stand-in for the father, and that is abusive. And again, the mother is to serve the child's best interest. The child is not to serve at the pleasure of the mother. The child is in a stage of development and needs an adult to guide them and direct them, not to be a surrogate parent for that adult. Yeah, the mothers turn them into their husbands and everything. And yeah. when the kids become adults, they try to go off and live their lives. But the mother makes sure they stay right around her, move down the street, uh, move on across the road there. And if the kids were to move to West Hell, all of a sudden the mother have a reason to move to West Hell. She has a, oh, I got to move. I love West Hell. And here she come. <laughs> 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 Isn't that amazing? I think it's tragic. <laughs> so uh, do you agree with me that women don't have love to give? Uh, well, if, if that type of woman who needs her son to fill in as her surrogate partner she would be certainly lacking in self-love <laughs> and the ability to love her son in a healthy way. She's thinking of herself. She's, she's, she's governing herself from her own fear of being alone. Do Rather what? than getting out in the world and go, or going to church or finding interests and hobbies, yeah. she's relying on her son. Do women have love, period? Of course. Where do they get it from? From the same place that the men get it. Where is that? The, the divine spirit from within. But if a woman didn't grow up with a father who was guided by God's love, and, and let's say the girl didn't grow up with a father who did that, who had that kind of love. And so the wife, it means that the wife won't have that kind of love either. That's why they end up destroying the children. How can women, if a woman is married and she's not getting the love from her father, I mean, your husband, how can she have love? If a woman is married and she's not getting love from her husband, she can get love. That's like saying, you know, how can a person get love if they've been relying on uh, addiction? I mean, you get love by being love. You get love by removing whatever blocks inside of you that are preventing your heart from being open. You get love by connecting spiritually. You get love by doing what you're doing, getting out and helping other people in the world and having a purpose. You get love from being kind to your partner, even if you don't like some of the things about them. You get love by being loved, because that's what we are. But, now, if someone's disconnected from that, then they have to be willing. We, as, you, as you said in one of your pieces um, on the Internet, you can't make someone want to be something. They have to want it themselves. Can a, a married woman get love without loving her husband? I, I don't see how she, I, I would say that that would be some kind of a disconnect from within herself. That if she's married and she's withholding love from herself, her husband, she's withholding it, period. So she can't, I don't see how she can be manifesting love. If a person 
has not been born again of God, you know, because you, you're born into sin, as they say. You're born into families that are all screwed up, right? The mother's in charge, the father's weak, the family's screwed up. If a person is, yeah, and if a person is not born again, is it possible to get love from God without being born again? I, I would I would agree that if someone isn't spiritually connected, they're probably going through emotions yeah. and they may be feeling feelings. But the love, I think, and the, and the respect that you're talking about it, which is completely committed to another person's well-being and completely committed to growth together and completely committed to raising a healthy child and having a healthy family. I think you, you have to be spiritually connected because there's just too many distractions and there's too many um, alternatives. Yeah. Do you agree that all people are not God's people? They are not of God. God created them, but they are not his children. Well, I think that's because they choose not to be. Well, uh, um, I don't know if they, they don't choose not to be. They were traumatized in their homes most of the time, and they don't ever, some people that never really examine themselves so they can overcome the spiritual trauma. Exactly, but that's the choice to examine yourself. Yeah. Like you and I could, you and I could be out there and not here helping and, and, and committing our lives to love and to God. We could be doing what other people are doing, but we decided not to do that and to, to do what it takes to be able to be someone who could help others. Yeah, so well, that is a choice. I, I think we're all God's children. Some, Yes, some people go through severe trauma, uh, and yet they use that trauma to help others because if you haven't been through it, you really don't understand like somebody who, uh, somebody else. And so when you have been through it and you have recovered from whatever trauma you've been through, and you use those experiences to help others, that is one form of love. But we're not all God's children if we have not been born again of God, right? I'm not sure what you mean by that. Um, the people, I'm saying the, every baby is born perfect. Right, but every then... God's child. Then that right. child gets lost like the prodigal son. But I don't know that God didn't still consider the prodigal son his child. He just saw that child as lost. And God doesn't make us do anything. We have the free will and the free choice. But so until you overcome that, though, you Satan is your daddy. That's why God said that Satan is your daddy, right? Uh, uh, children of Satan, until you're born again of him. Yes. And that's why people are unhappy because they, and all kind of stuff, because now they are guided by the wrong spirit. But I want to ask you this. The wrong spirit I would call addiction. They, they are guided by their addictions. Which that's what I would call evil or Satan. Oh, I see. They're substituting all these things for the love of the Father. Yeah, they're looking for the love of the Father, but they're guided by Satan, and they and and they use uh, uh, drugs and things to try to feel better, rather than looking at themselves and overcoming. But they me, use everything. They use everything. They use people. They yeah. Use they use sex. They use pornography. They use digital. They use politics. They use everything to avoid feeling and and feeling a connection. You know, they work, they do this, they do that, everything but feeling the love that they are and sharing and receiving that with other people. Is love a feeling? I think it's a feeling, but it's also a state of being, of radiance and joy and caring and yeah. happiness. 
I want to add feelings. I want to squeeze in. Could you take at least one call? I have a caller for you. Of course. Mateo is out. Okay. Mateo. (laughs) Oh, hold on, Mateo. Let me just ask you this, Doc. Um, um, Why? And I've heard over the last 30 years, over and over and over again, there are a bunch of people who have gone to therapists and counselors and they those people end up putting them on medication, medication for little children, medication for adults, and now they're addicted to drugs. Why do therapy give them medication rather than showing them how to overcome spiritually? I talk about that in the first chapter of the book that I wrote, Exit the Maze, One Addiction, One Cause, One Cure, and Why Treatment Doesn't Fail. Because we are, we are again, pills are another addiction. Yeah. And it's that quick fix, get the quick fix. Don't really examine yourself. Self. Don't heal what causes you to feel anxious or depressed. Get the quick fix. And so it's become a, an all-consuming, and not just in the United States, globally, the pill business is just taken over. And I feel that's why I say that it, it's, you know, we talk about health care and that, you know, heart attack and cancer, di- diabetes too, stroke, uh, kidney failure. These things are almost always because of addiction of abusing the body with foods, toxins, drugs, alcohol, nicotine, unhealthy fats. All of these things create the symptoms. But the real problem is addiction. And so until we start to love ourselves, which means treating our bodies as a sacred temple, then we're going to continue to die of addiction. And said we're calling it depression, anxiety, heart attack, stroke, all the mental health and physical uh, diseases are mostly related to addiction. So, now, do the I therapists have, do the therapists know that they are doing this to addict them, so they make the money off the people, or are they unaware of what they are doing because of what they've been taught? Well, I think in some cases that um, it's usually psychiatrists or nurses that are prescribing medication, right. and therapists refer their patients to a psychiatrist. And sometimes people are so whacked out, they need temporary medication until they can be stabilized enough to get connected to themselves. But it's, it's like psychiatry used to be to help people. Now it's mo- mostly to write prescriptions. To make the money, so, right? Well, I, I, I think that I have to say, I think in many cases, it's <laughs> to keep that person dependent on the, you know, the, the, the drug supplier. Yeah. Not all cases, but in many cases, they're just a legal drug supplier. Amazing. Let's go to Mateo out of Oklahoma. Uh, let's see here. Mateo, thanks for calling. You're on the air with Dr. Darnell Marks. Good morning to both of you. Happy hump day. Good morning. Um, I have two questions now, but my first question is, uh, for years, I said I went through life saying depression was a choice. And then my doctor, you know, I told him that, and he, you know, he, to- he told me that everybody uh, through life, if things happen to you and different endorphins get released into you. So if something happens that you don't like, sometimes a depression endorphin gets released in you. And uh, the only difference between people is how long it lasts, right? So as stuff happens to all of us, um, and and how we choose to respond to what happens to us decides how we live. So my question is, uh, because some people also have chemical imbalances, right? Um, how many of the people that you see uh, do you think that depression is a, a choice? And by choice, I mean, 
that they choose not to focus on all the things that they have and be grateful for and all the many blessings in their life, and, that, and they focus on all the things that they don't have. So your simple question is, does she believe depression is a choice? Hold on, Mark. Hold on, um, uh, Mateo. Go ahead, Dr. Mark. I, I think it's a, it's, his question demonstrates the mass confusion out there, okay? <laughs> it's massive confusion, and the therapists and the mental health community are equally confused. I think that a, a, of all the thousands of cases I've had, probably three people had actual chemical imbalances in their brain. One was schizophrenic. He thought he could fly off of a roof. It scared me. I sent him to a psychiatrist <laughs> right away and because uh, he was going to. He actually believed he could fly off of a roof. And then I've had another person who was bipolar and he could not function. He could not get out of bed. We tried everything. So he, I sent him to a psychiatrist. They're both doing very well. All the other cases, this is what I want to say about depression and anxiety. I call anxiety fear. I don't believe in anxiety. I believe when the person's having a panic attack, they're reliving something in the past and something's happening now that they're afraid of. And so I teach people how to choose to love themselves through that fear instead of letting them pill, take it away instantly because it doesn't go away. You get a temporary hit and get a temporary high and then the fear returns even greater. You haven't gone anywhere. You haven't resolved anything. And then with depression, guess what? Life is painful sometimes. It's okay to be depressed. It's okay to go through a grieving process when you've lost someone. It's okay to feel like you're not going to make it through this. But if you use your, your tools of loving yourself and staying connected spiritually and knowing that there's a better plan on the other side of this and keeping your faith and building your spiritual muscle of faith, you don't need to be on medication for life depression. And we're all going to go through depression at some times. What we need is to be able to get the support to help us through that. And that's where the community is so important. And if someone is going to a therapist, the therapist says, it's okay for you to be depressed. It's okay to cry. It's okay to feel these feelings. Get them out. Man, get them out. Don't tell yourself you just need to trust. You just need to think more positive. It doesn't work. You're sad. Cry. Amazing. Uh, my audio engineer, Joel, has a question for you. Okay. Joel. Yeah, how, how would you say, um, hi, how's it going? <laughs> That's Joel, my audio engineer. You black. <laughs> how, how did... <laughs> <laughs> I would have never known. <laughs> no, I'm he, white. No, he... I'm white, but you know what? We're all kid. We're all the kids of the playground here. <laughs> well, he's 30% white. <laughs> <laughs> How do you know it's not 29.95? <laughs> I guess I don't. But my question is, um, could you told, you told the caller that you use the tool to love yourself. You use the tool to love yourself so you're not depressed. How would you, how would you say you use your tool to love yourself? How would you use okay, that tool? So, so the same way that you would, if, if you got hit by a car and your leg was broken, you don't get up and start running right away on a, on a car. You know, on if you get hit by the car, you allow that wound to heal. And when life gives you a big blow and your your emotional state has been broken temporarily, you that loving yourself would mean number one, acknowledging I'm hurting, I'm in pain, sharing that pain with someone who can support you through it. 
and give you some comfort using your prayer and using your your church if you're involved in one or whatever spiritual connection you have using that community to get through it uh, doing some journaling allowing yourself to wrap yourself in a nice warm blanket and feel things and and cry do some journaling to get it out and if you and if those things aren't you know what i tell people is like you're 100 percent in pain the first day 95 percent in pain the second day 90 percent the third if you're doing these things to allow yourself to heal so you would nurture yourself and those are just some of the techniques but amazing thank you appreciate it leaning into it yes um dr mar do you have anger I have had anger, yes. It still flares up every once in a while, but I believe that all anger is a cover-up for fear. Why and don't so, you overcome your anger completely so you would never have to deal with it? To, to, to recognize that there is never anything to fear if I'm aligned with my Holy Spirit. So why don't you overcome your anger, period? So it, Practice. I'm That's sorry? Practice. It's practice. You know, uh, I don't know what tomorrow's going to bring for me or the next moment, but in 30 years I have not experienced depression anxiety, worry, or any of that stuff at all. And the reason for it, without a doubt, is that the spirit of anger was taken away from me. Beautiful. It was taken out of my whole being and replaced with perfect love from God, right? And in perfect love, there is no fear and doubt and anxiety and worry. Right. Uh, At any time, no matter what the situation is, because you can see you have faith and you can see and you're not connected to the line thoughts anymore that makes you right. worry or make you afraid. Right. So I, uh, there is, as of now, 30 years, 31 years, really, there is no fear in me or anger or depression That's because beautiful. it was taken away. Do you believe that it could be taken away from you completely? I do. I do. Yeah. I did, do believe that. Did you forgive your mother for screwing you up? Absolutely. You went to her? I love my mother. Did you go to her and say, hey, mother, I'm sorry for hating you, for screwing up my life? I have shown her that. But you didn't tell her you forgave her? Well, I don't think I have anything to forgive her for. For making you like... She, because she did the best that she could and said the forgiveness goes beyond me telling her that. I know, but we're supposed to go to the person and forgive them. Okay, well, if someone would have told me to go tell her I forgive her, I would have. Go I, to her. I'm, I'm sorry? Go to your mother and forgive her. I have forgiven her, but I'll be happy to tell her that. And but listen, I don't think she thinks that I don't think she see, thinks that I haven't forgiven her. She she knows how much I love her and appreciate her. I tell her all the time. But, and I thank her for the gifts that she gave me. I would recommend you go to her and say, Hey mama. I'm sorry for resenting you, for recreating me in your image. I realize now that you couldn't help yourself, and I'm sorry for holding it against you. Your life would change. You would never know anger again. Okay. Would you try that? Let me know what happens. Okay. (laughs) How how about your father? Have you forgiven him? Well, my father, yes, I have. But my father is dead, and my stepfather is deceased also. Oh, okay. Well, just realize they can help it. Dr. Donna Mark. I can still say it. I could still say it and yeah. ask the Holy Spirit to deliver the message. Yeah, when you get to know yourself and realize you can't help yourself, it helped you to it causes you to know that they can help themselves and that will cause you to forgive oh. them. Oh, absolutely. But if you go to your mother because the hardest person in the world for 
adults to face is their mother. Yes. Because they don't know how she's going to overreact. Right. They don't want to hurt their feelings. So if you go to your mother, it will free you up from your mother. Yes. Dr. Donna Mark, how can people get your book? Um, they can order it on Amazon. Exit the maze, one addiction, one cause, one cure. Amazing. Thank you. And so also, I would, I would just like to add from what you just said, as a mother, like I have three children and I certainly didn't do it perfect with them. I made lots of mistakes. But as a mother, we can go to our children, too. Yes. And tell them how much we love them and that when we were unkind or abusive, it had nothing to do with them. It was our own wounds that were coming out wrong. Yeah. And, and say, please, you know, ask for, for that forgiveness. As mothers, but most mothers be- won't do that because they are on a they have a big ego, and it's hard for them to go and say, "Hey, kids, I was wrong. I screwed your life up. I'm sorry." They won't do it because of their ego, and they love the control they have over the children. Right, right. But like you said earlier, this is for people who want to have love in their lives, and yes. who want to have a family, and who want to be aligned on their spiritual path. Absolutely. So- so those of those of your listeners that do want that, it's a beautiful thing to go to your children and say, I'm sorry I was angry. I'm sorry I hit you. I'm sorry I wasn't there for you. I'm sorry I missed that important event. And I'm yes. so- Donna, uh, Dr. Donna, thank you oh, so much. My daughter wants to say hi to you real quick. She's right here. <laughs> oh, hi, daughter. Uh, How are you? I love my mom, and I forgive her, and she did the best she could. <laughs> what did you resent her about at first? What did I resent? Yeah. I am um, well, my well, like my mom's done a lot of work, but she like struggled with her own addictions, even yeah. though she wasn't drinking or drugging. Like, uh, like relationships would a lot of times be like a priority in the household. Yeah, and uh, just work, especially workaholism, I think really was the most toxic thing in our family environment because like it yeah. was a constant thing rather than spending time with us or creating priorities. And you forgave her for that. Yeah, of course, because. If you don't forgive your mom, uh, you're liter- you're attacking yourself because yeah. you are your parents. So, like, if I have anger for my creators, then I have anger towards myself. The same with God. If I have anger towards God, I can't love myself. And so, are you close to your father? He's not alive. Oh, uh, were you close to him before he aspired? No, um, I think that my dad was really emotionally shut down, so we didn't really get to build that type of emotional connection, but. Like, I always admired him. And when you say emotionally shut down, what do you mean? Well, like, I think especially today, like, men aren't really given the opportunity to, like, express feelings or even being intimate or close with kids can feel scary. So, like, he didn't sit me on his lap or really, like, tell me, like, how beautiful I was or, like, talk to me. He was kind of just an observer. And, like, he was present, but he wasn't connected. Did he help you? He didn't help you deal with your mother? kind of stand between you and your mother so she couldn't screw up your life? (laughs) I don't think my mom screwed up my life, though. I think that when you, I think the (laughs) wounds that we experience, they make us deeper and more, um, they give us more depth and the ability to connect and help more people. Um, But no, my dad was like, Beta. Her, fa- her beta. father. <laughs> her father adored her, but he couldn't demonstrate it. Well, he that's thought be- the sun and the moon and the stars. Well, that's because men are not emotional. Any man that has emotion is a woman. <laughs> he becomes. He becomes like his mother. You you have emotions. 
No, it's I mean, th- there's a time for laughter. There's a time for crying. There's a time for that. But yeah. men are not emotional. They're logical. And that's right. why when they Rational, get yes, I agree. Yeah. That's why when they get married, they protect the wife and children from evil right. by being right. logical. Yes. Yes. Right I heard I heard one of your uh, excerpts on that whole topic, too. And you're absolutely right. The, the whole family has become very dysfunctional and men are like women and women are like men. And it's yeah. way off course. Amazing. Yeah. Well, thank yeah. you for letting me meet your daughter. That's amazing. Oh, she's so great. She's a superstar. <laughs> Amazing. Is she, is she married? No. Not yet? Okay. No. Well, she's we... waiting for Mr. Wright. That's right. Uh, like you said, she's waiting for one of these guys who's not afraid to be a man. There you go. I love that. Dr. Mark, thank you again. One more time, tell the folks how to get your book. Uh, on Amazon.com. <clears throat> Exit the maze. One addiction, one cause, one cure. Amazing. Thank you, Dr. Donna Mark. They can also go on my website, www.drdonnamarks.com, and get on the mailing list. I send out blogs, and we do workshops and retreats, and love to have people join us. Thank you so much. Have a good day, all right? This was such an honor and so much fun. Thank you. (laughs) It was fun. God bless you. God bless you. All right. Thank you. Amazing. That was Dr. Donna Marks. All right. Let me go back to Ron out of Louisiana. Amazing. And don't forget to like, follow, tweet, subscribe, and share the Jesse Lee Peterson radio show, folks. We really appreciate it. We are at war. It is a spiritual battle for the soul of America. And it's going to take all of us to do it. 